0: The message this evening is entitled, Believers Are Overcomers. And I struggle with this this title and with this message because honestly, um, I see a lot of Christians that that struggle and that are learning so much through hardship and difficulty. Um, but But even in the midst of difficulty, even with circumstances that are challenging, this passage in John says we can be overcomers. And so I want to take that seriously this evening and look at it with you together. First John 5, 1 through 5, says this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is a child of God, and everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. Remember that was a recurring theme from this morning in John 14. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments... And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God, look at this, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So what this passage is saying is that in the world's view, you may not look like an overcomer, but if you have Jesus... No matter what the world may hand you, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you have already overcome the world. Let's bow together. Father, help us to see the things of this world as transitory and fleeting. And help us to see the things that you offer as permanent, eternal, the things that matter. So take our eyes off of ourselves and focus them on you and your kingdom until it comes in fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. I mentioned this morning that followers of Jesus have been known by different names over the centuries. At first, they were called people of the way, Paul and Felix in that conversation in Acts 26. And then they were called Christians at Antioch in Acts 11, Christ ones. The most common word for those who committed themselves to Jesus was a disciple or a student or a follower of a rabbi. Paul's letters, he he addressed Christians as saints. You want to know who a saint is? It's you, someone who is a follower of Jesus. You might not think of yourself as a saint, but Paul would call you one if you believe in Jesus. Those set apart for God, people of the way, believers, beloved children of God, each name describes a separate characteristic of the lives of those who follow Christ. And tonight, John, in his letter, would say that if you follow Jesus, you are an overcomer. A Christian is one who overcomes. The description of a Christian as an overcomer is in other places in the New Testament. In Revelation, the saints of God overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. To the Romans, Paul said, in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us. And Paul urged the Corinthians to give thanks to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are to experience some kind of victory in our Christian lives, but I've got to be honest with you, I don't see a lot of Christians living victorious, overcoming lives. So what does it take? And how do we experience that? John gives us the answers in these five short verses in his first letter, chapter five. First First of all, an overcomer three simple things. First of all, you just got to acknowledge the problem. Have you ever noticed that whenever there's a, some kind of addictive behavior or problem or challenge, the biggest step, the first step is just acknowledging that there's an issue, that there's a problem. The word overcomer implies that there is an obstacle standing in the way. We have been confronted by something, that we have a problem that we have to, to deal with. An overcomer is not someone who breezes through life without any oppositions, without any struggles. Have you ever met anybody who who seemed like they never had a problem? If you think you have, let me tell you, you don't know them very well because there's no one that has breezed through life that easily. An overcomer realizes that each new day will have its own particular set of problems and barriers and obstacles, and, and he sets out to deal with them. So you have to come to the point where you can admit and face it head on. You don't stick your head in the sand and simply refuse to deal with problems pretending there's nothing wrong because that is not overcoming it. That's that's just denying it. That's denial. And whether or not you're an overcomer has nothing to do with the circumstances around you. It has everything to do with the commitment that's within you because everybody has difficult circumstances. And the key is what you choose to do with those circumstances. They will constantly confront you. As a matter of fact, when you become a Christian, you probably have even more problems that Satan tries to throw up in your way. What's the problem that Christians have to overcome? John tells us right here three times. God overcomes the world. This is a victory overcomes the world. Who is it that overcomes the world but he believes that Jesus You know what our problem is? It's the world. It's the world. And it's not the world in and of itself that's bad because God created the world and saw that it was good. But it's what we've done to the world. It's what the world has not remained as God created it. Because the world, as John refers to it, is Satan and all of his plans for us. It's sin and pressure, suffering and pain, sensuality, and pleasure, everything that stands in opposition to God. What does the world try to do? It tries to hold us down and destroy our witness, distort our values, confuse our desires, dilute our interest in God's Word, squeeze us into its mold, and draw us away from God. Pursuing the things of the world will take you away from the things of God. It wants us to forget who we are and to whom we belong and all the privileges that God has given us. It gives us, the world places a glass ceiling over our heads that tries to prevent us from reaching out to God. But an overcomer is someone who doesn't let that glass ceiling stop him. A Little League baseball game was going on one afternoon, and a man approached a boy in the dugout and asked what the score was. And the man asked the little boy, said, what's the score? He said, 18 to nothing. We're losing. And the man said, I bet you're discouraged. The little boy said, why should I be discouraged? We hadn't gone to bat yet. (laughs) That's the kind of attitude this passage is talking about. Surrounded by problems, but not discouraged. Problems are challenges. Problems are opportunities for God to guide the believer to become an overcomer just as soon as God gets up to bat you can become an overcomer. So you have to first of all acknowledge that there's a problem. Secondly, you have to affirm the promise. And here it is right here in this passage too. The Christian can overcome the world because of the promise of God's Word. You do not have to be defeated by evil or disgraced by sin or destroyed by suffering or distracted by sensuality. You can win the victory. You can overcome because God's Word promises it. And we need to think about that promise. Some of you are walking through a dark shadow right now, but I want you to remember God has never been defeated by the events of the past, nor will he be defeated by the events of the future. Just think of some of the stories in the Bible. Joseph was in the dungeon. God released him. The Hebrews were in slavery. God delivered them. David was overwhelmed by the guilt of his sin. God forgave him. Daniel was in the lion's den, but God preserved him. Jonah was in the belly of a whale. God retrieved him. Jesus was in the tomb. God raised him. No problem has ever occurred or ever will occur that has been so great that God in his power has not been able to reach down and overcome it. And that's the promise he gives to all of us here this evening. What he's done in the past, he will do for us today. He will do for us in the future. That's his promise. And we just have to receive it and affirm it, and thank God for it. It might not be the result that we necessarily want, but it'll be a good result because God's in control of it. A young man was in a wheelchair, and he was crippled by an accident. And his friend asked him, Do you have any kind of future at all? And the friend said, As a pole vaulter, probably not. But as a man, absolutely. The overcomer accepts the promise that God's Word, no matter how great the problem, God's Word will help us overcome, and we have a future. So you have to acknowledge the problem. You have to affirm the promise. And third, you have to apply the principle. Real simple. What's the principle that enables us to realize the promise and be overcomers? Here it is. John tells us, this is the victory that overcomes the world, comma, our faith. Our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. All of life is lived by faith. And every person has faith in something. You have faith in that pew that you're sitting in right now that it will hold you, don't you? I have faith that this pulpit will hold this Bible, that this microphone will work. We open a can of food and eat it because we have faith it won't make us sick. We get on a plane, we sit in a car, we sit back and we have faith that we won't die on the trip home. We go to a doctor, they give us a prescription, we take it to a pharmacist, we get it filled and we take the medicine all by faith that it will help us. Faith means trusting someone else and that faith is at the heart of almost every relationship, every encounter in life because we live by faith every day. John's not talking about just faith in general, though. He's talking about a particular kind of faith that he describes here in verse 5. He who overcomes the world is he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. The Christian faith means to put our faith in Christ. Faith in Jesus leads us to believe in him, to talk to him, to walk with him, to abide in him. And as long as we're abiding with Jesus in faith, we have the power to overcome the world, no matter what it gives us. So what does faith enable us to do? First of all, it makes available the presence of God. David Livingston, the great missionary to Africa, came back to London to receive an honor, and he was presented this award before a great gathering of well-wishers, and someone asked him how he had been able to survive when all those natives rose up against him, and when the power of darkness seemed ready to engulf him, and he opened up his well-worn New Testament to the end of Matthew, and he said, let me share with you a verse that has helped me make it through. He read, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age." Jesus is always with us. Our faith in him makes available to us the presence of God no matter what. Secondly, it opens us up to the power of God. And I think that's an element that we we miss out on, that we overlook, the element of the Holy Spirit and the power that he affords us when we allow him to live through us. We go through life trying to do so much by ourselves, in our own strength, and we end up burning out. And when we rest in Jesus and let Him work through us and let His power flow through us, we are enabled to do so much more. I love the story about A.J. Gordon who went to the World's Fair and from a distance he saw a man pumping water with one of those old-fashioned hand pumps. And the water was pouring out. And as he looked at the man from a distance he saw... How fast that man was really pumping the water. When he got closer, though, he realized the man was made of wood. He was one of those plywood silhouette cutouts, painted black, connected to the pump that was being powered by electricity. So the man was not pumping the water. The water was actually pumping the man. And I love that because from a distance, Someone might look at us serving God and say, boy, that person really has a lot of power. Look at the way he lives. Look at the way he's living for Jesus. But when they get closer, they actually discover that it's God who is living in us, empowering us, moving us, motivating us to do what we can't do. And if we let the living water, if we try to pump it ourselves, we'll burn out. But when we let God pump that living water through us, It is available and it is plentiful. And we plug into that power by faith and it begins to move us and it provides victory because greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. So faith opens us up to the presence of God, the power of God, and third, the plan of God. John reminds us that the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. God has initiated an old plan for this world that is permanent and eternal, and He is working out His purposes in our world until His plan comes to fruition, until it comes to fulfillment. And one day the things of this world will fade away, and every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And faith just reminds us of that great truth the final victory belongs to God, and therefore faith encourages us to keep on fighting and not give up. So there's a presence, there's a power, and there's the plan. To be an overcomer, we have to acknowledge that there's a problem and affirm a promise and apply a principle of faith. In World War II, General Jonathan Wainwright was captured by the Japanese and held prisoner in a Manchurian prison camp. He was treated cruelly, broken, crushed, hopeless, starving. Finally, the war ended, the Japanese surrendered, and a United States Army colonel was sent to camp to announce personally to General Wainwright that the Japan had surrendered and that he was now free and he was in command of that Japanese prison camp. After Wainwright heard the news, he returned to his quarters and he was confronted by some guards who hadn't gotten the news. And they began to mistreat him as they had done in the past. And he said, with the news of the Allied victory still fresh in the back of his mind, he declared, No, I am in command here. These are now my orders. And from that moment on, when he learned the battle had been won, he knew he was in control. I want you to know that our Savior has been victorious. And I want to inform you of that victory in the greatest conflict of the ages. We need to rise up and claim our rights. Never again go under when the enemy comes to oppress you. We can be overcomers and claim the victory in Jesus' name. So let me ask you do you believe that Jesus is with you wherever you go? Do you believe that God is truly able to provide for all of your needs? Do you believe the things of God are permanent and eternal and that God has ultimately won the victory? If so, then you have faith and you can be an overcomer and we can celebrate that victory together. Bow with me. God, we know that you have overcome the world and that you invite us to share in that victory. But so often we get up in the morning and we limp fearfully, timidly through the day, just hoping to make it through, as if we have forgotten the fact that you are in control and that you have placed your spirit within us and you invite us to participate in that victory. You have given us power. And when we have faith in you, in your presence, in your power, and in your strength, and in the future, we know that we are on the winning side and there's nothing that the world can hand us that Satan can attempt that will ultimately defeat us. So there can be sickness and sadness and suffering But those are just things of the world. And you've overcome it. So help us live from this point forward with that mindset. And help us be thankful for the victory that is yours and ours in Christ Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.